Hello and welcome to the latest edition of the TES International Podcast. I'm your host, Dan Worth. In this episode, we speak with Bernhard Gederman, headmaster of the Institute Alfden Rosenberg in St. Gallen, Switzerland. We discuss the school's talent and enrichment program, which provides pupils with the opportunity to spend time engaging in co-curricular activities, either in school or on location with businesses to gain real life skills and experiences. He explains how the initiative works, why the power of partnership to offer these experiences should not be overlooked, and how schools can go about starting something similar in their own setting. Hi Bernhard, thank you so much for joining us for this latest TES International podcast. Um, wonderful to sort of have your time. And um, to start, I guess, why don't you just tell us a little bit about yourself and your school? Um, anyone obviously watching the video version of this can see you're in a beautiful part of Switzerland by the looks of it. So um, yeah, tell us a bit more. Thank you, Dan. And thank you for having me on the podcast. It's a, it's a pleasure. Um, yes, as you can see from the background, we're at my school, Institute Alfden Rosenberg. Um, we are 131 years old. Um, which is a nice history to look back to, but we very much uh, take a forward-looking approach to education. So we believe it is important to preserve traditions where they're still valid and um, uh, where they're perpetual, such as the values we mm-hmm. represent. But at the same time, it's really important for us to, to, to think and work together with the, the fabulous team of professionals that I have to, to anticipate what's going to be next and what needs to be done in order to prepare the current generation for the future. Absolutely, and, and that's obviously very much what we're going to talk about today, um, which is this sort of talent and enrichment program that you offer at the school. Um, there's, a, there's a lot to it, and there's some really interesting things I think we're going to come to talk about. But just again, just to sort of set the scene, what, what is your talent and enrichment program? What does that uh, cover broadly, and, and why do you offer it? Yeah, uh, pleasure to answer that one. Um, the Talent Enrichment Program is a collection of uh, over 100 different courses that our students can pick from in addition to their regular academic lessons. It is split into two parts. Um, one uh, part is the co-curricular courses, approximately 60. Um, and these co-curricular courses range from all kinds of uh, areas, including um, art, uh, fashion design, robotics, uh, coding, uh, we have uh, molecular cooking classes. Um, so any um, area of interest uh, for, for our students and any area of development outside uh, our beautiful school campus um, is, is, uh, is content that we bring into um, our students' life to enrich their experience and to enrich their, their education and to contextualize it. And the second part is our uh, vast athletics program, approximately 40 different courses, because we just know that learning um, is so different if uh, students engage in meaningful free time activity. Um, and of course, uh, um, uh, doing sports, being in, a, in the outdoors, uh, even if the sun's not always shining, um, that's, that's the way to go. And we believe it's part of a healthy and balanced education. Mm, excellent. And this talent and enrichment program, and has that always existed? You know, you said the school was 130 years old or thereabouts. Is that, has it always been that kind of ethos in the school that school is not just seen as, as purely an academic thing, but something more broad? Or is it something that's come in as the sort of world demands on young people has, has changed? Um, I guess it has been an organic development. So it's been an evolution. Um, our school's motto is uh, learning to live is the ultimate goal of all education. And I think in that motto and in that ethos um, is already implied that um, schools should prepare for for real life. Um, And so we always had programs that ensured our students 
have the opportunity to 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 learn other skills. Uh, but where the evolutions come from, and I think it's important to differentiate here, talent enrichment is not a collection of school clubs. It's much more than that. Mm. Uh, it, differs uh, in the sense that our um, co-curricular programs uh, take uh, industry experts, for example, and bring them here onto campus or when um, the time and opportunity allows our students actually leave campus to meet, uh, for example, with the architects of Norman Foster or they go and visit uh, the designers at uh, Vitra, uh, the furniture makers, to understand more about their daily work to understand about the challenges that um, these companies and, and, and startup founders and international organizations face. And we believe that this type of um, contextualized learning just helps to put um, uh, our students learning in the classroom into perspective and it helps them to develop a vision for themselves for the future as well. Mm. And so when you're talking about that and you said it's not just like this sort of code uh, this extracurricular thing, but it's something very much within their education. So how do you do that? Is that, in the timetable? Is it something that they have allocated like a week in the timetable where they all go off and do something? How do you make it fit in around their schooling, but, but actually be part of school, not something additional they can choose to do? Uh, yeah, so first of all, it's part of the timetable and students have the opportunity to sign up to one or multiple uh, courses. Um, and it really depends uh, what they're interested in and I have a variety to, to choose and pick from. And then the second aspect that makes it uh, uh, really a co-curricular course is that um, students have the opportunity at the beginning of the course to, to outline their expectations. Uh, they can give the reasons why they picked a particular course. And uh, to give you an example, I've been teaching one myself for a while now and every so on. Um, I do it on a trimester basis. And it's really interesting to see that um, some students are um, interested in joining a topic because they already know something about it. So to give you an example, uh, I was running um, wealth creation and investment. So we spoke a lot about, um, you know, how do you invest into shares, uh, how, um, what are interest rates, um, and so on and so forth. Really important skills for, mm. for, for later on in life. Uh, and I also had some students who say, I have no idea about this topic. And that's exactly why I chose it. Uh, and that's fantastic because it really broadens horizons and opens doors. Uh, so that is one element. And then um, every uh, co-curricular course has, um, has an actual um, uh, curriculum outline. Um, so it goes through different stages. And then we always make sure there is a highlight and a learning outcome at the end. Uh, and our students also reflect on what they've learned. So it's really great to go back at the end of a course unit that runs for one trimester. So approximately 10 weeks. And I can reflect and see, um, have, have we delivered on the goals? Have they made that learning experience they set out to do? So it's great for them um, mm. to understand what they've learned, but it's also great feedback for us as educators to see, you know, whether we're delivering on this expectation. And how do you do that? Do you, do you, I mean, maybe not set an exam, but do they have a sort of test on things or do you sort of, is it just more, they sort of tell you what they think they've learned? How do you actually, because again, on everything from I mean, you mentioned, you know, working at the Norman Foster uh, Institute, whatever it was called, and, and you know, the, the course you run. I mean, how do you actually know they've come away with something that they wanted to learn from that? Um, so uh, I think there should always be something hands-on to take away. Um, in, in many cases, that would be a presentation. Uh, so take, uh, for example, um, sustainable product design is a co-curricular that we run. And the students will actually walk away with a prototype at the end of the course. Very often, they'll have a presentation. Uh, in, in the case of wealth creation, we run a um, um, portfolio simulation. Mm. 
Mm. So students could actually reflect on, on, on how their investment choices did uh, throughout the course, uh, what could have influenced it. And we looked into very interesting um, details and um, uh, connections to other parts of uh, other parts of the world, be it the U.S. elections, be it uh, uh, any other market-moving events, and so they always take away something, either physical or in form of a of a paper, a presentation, mm-hmm. um, which which then makes it really relevant as a learning experience, and not just a course that you attend um, because you have to. Yeah, there's probably two aspects now we can we can sort of we can talk about is obviously. There's obviously the thing like you yourself and I'm presuming other staff then run courses. And, and is that something, if that, is, if that is the case, how do the staff, do the staff sort of say, well, actually, I could run a course on X, Y and Z because that's something I'm interested in. Or I've got expertise in that field. Is that how that works? Yes. So it works twofold. Uh, one is um, we, we analyze areas that we have demand for. And so we all, always offer a wide range of courses. And then we see, you know, it can really depend on, 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 on the cohort of students that we have. Uh, some years one topic is more popular than the other and then it changes back it also depends a lot on side guys for example um, but then we're always open for members of staff or, or artisans as we call our teachers to um, come forward with a topic they're passionate about and it's just always when you have somebody sharing their passion is when the learning experience is really strong um, and, and so we're very open and welcome to that uh, which I think makes this program so so powerful in, in the end as a, as a delivery for modern education. Mm. Are there any other examples you can give of staff-led courses that have, that have come about particularly because a member of staff said, well, actually, I'm really interested in teaching, I don't know, I can't even think of something now, you know, off the top of their head, and they, you said, yeah, actually, that, that's a great thing that students want to learn. So a great example of how uh, members of staff brought forward um, their areas of, of expertise or their passions is, for example, um, our uh, drive for sustainability for the school overall and spreading the message. And this is combined with the evolution of talent enrichment from, from being its own department. Um, and, and at this moment, uh, talent enrichment blends more and more with the academic curriculum. So I can give you a great example. Uh, we had one student and she was interested um, as part of her um, uh, IB curriculum to work on a project for sustainable water consumption. Now, people in Switzerland are used to drink tap water. Uh, but we have a school with over uh, 50 different nationalities. In most countries around the world, it's unheard of to drink water from a tap. And even though students know it's safe and it's clean, um, there is kind of this barrier uh, to just go ahead and do that. And at the same time, what the student identified is the, the massive opportunity, for example, to reduce uh, wastage through plastic bottles. And so she set out to change um, the way her fellow students think about uh, tap water. Uh, she then collaborated with different co-curricular courses. Uh, to give you an idea, we have the um, uh, product design group, and they came up with a great design for um, reusable bottles. Um, and they worked with the marketing and branding team to make sure these um, aluminum bottles uh, have uh, Rosenberg logos and mm. uh, 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 represent that. She then also reached out to the student committee uh, who successfully she convinced them that this is an important topic and they uh, successfully spoke to senior management at school and in a number of meetings um, managed to get funding for a drinking fountain. So we've now installed the drinking fountain in school with an additional filter. Um, and then this student also uh, organized the sales of these water bottles together with the business entrepreneurship group, which is not a co-curricular. And the proceeds of the sale go to a um, foundation 
that is supporting um, uh, access for clean water in other parts of the world where this is not the case. And so here you have a great example where teachers being passionate about the topic of sustainability um, have inspired and guided students, even though it's a student-led project, but they guide and inspire uh, for something as beautiful as this come together. And in the meantime, our students have learned how interconnected the world is. It's one thing having a great idea, but you need to be able to get others on board and then you need to be able to use their uh, expertise and leverage their knowledge in a particular area to bring about a change as big as this. At the end of this, I think the, the message that we want to send to all of our students is you can influence the world around you. Uh, we live in crazy, disruptive times. That is absolutely true. Uh, but, but you can make a mark. And uh, if, you, if you experience that at a young age, then that mark can be so much bigger when you're older. I suppose with that example, it's a nice way of, like you said, in, it's actually had an idea, but then she sort of encountered the reality of taking an idea off the page and like, yeah, you have to think about branding and marketing. And, and there were groups there that, that, and I just understand those other groups you mentioned, they are other co these sort of co-curricular groups that exist. Correct, yes. You can learn about marketing or branding or sustainability and all these different elements. And she was sort of going to each of them in turn yeah. and they were working together. Correct. So in some cases, she would take on the role of a customer. So if she goes to the product design group, she would say, look, my brief is this. Um, I need to design a water bottle. It needs to be sustainable. It needs to be attractive enough. Um, it needs to be interesting enough uh, for, 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 for other students to want to purchase this and make a difference. Um, and at the same time, um, she would work together closely with, with uh, the entrepreneurship group um, to find out what is, what is the right retail price. And it's really interesting to see these students' discussions. Uh, on the one hand, they tend to um, uh, want to keep the price low because basically the friends they're selling the product to. And at the same time, they need to understand how much work goes into it, that you always carry a risk as a business owner. You might sell all the stock, you may not. And then, of course, um, if uh, you work together with the uh, philanthropy and charity group, uh, they're saying, well, you know, I think if you if you have a great story as to what the proceeds, um, uh, every proceed that we get from the bottle sale, what a difference it will make, you should you should up that retail price mm -hmm. uh, because the more money for for good causes. And so it's a negotiation. Uh, it, it is teamwork. It's navigating things, and, and and students have to get onto the internet. They have to research solutions, and they have to come back, but come come back with an actual product. And this is what's so important that the outcome is tangible and the impact they're making is can be seen in real life. Mm. So we, we're talking there obviously so much more about in school and, and you know the, the, the groups that exist. I mean, correct me if I'm, if I'm wrong, but it sounds like they're, they're all inside the school and that's all different parts yes. of the school coming together. But obviously the other aspect of this talent and enrichment program is that you work with external organizations and you mentioned like the Norman Foster Foundation and I believe you also work with um, the Monaco Yacht Club, which is obviously very sort of, prestigious sounding uh, organization so again how how do that how does that work does that, I mean, that involve obviously students leaving the school and going off for, for a few days or do they is it a day and back i mean how how does that work and maybe you also talk about how you've set up those relationships with those kind of organizations because i think that's something that other schools who are looking at doing something like this already do this but think we need to do more of it would love to get involved with other organizations nearby that really add a sort of real world impact on this you know it's not just learning some life skills oh we you know we do something in school it's no they have opportunities to go out into the world and meet and work with real professionals but how do you make those links how do you knock on the door and say look i want to send some some pupils to you and you're going to work with them yeah um we believe in partnerships 
and the reason we believe in partnerships is because um, we consider ourselves the artisans of education um, and at the same time we understand our limits so when it comes to um, sustainable product design or when it comes to to architecture uh, when it comes to robotics for example we collaborate with ABB uh, we collaborate with Boston Dynamics um, so we have all these relationships because we understand in order to 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 keep this relevant uh, it cannot be taught from a textbook and this is when we reach out to these organizations um, very often if you identify what these organizations are interested in and what values you share uh, there's always an opportunity to collaborate on different projects to give you a little idea we've just launched our future park uh, so this is an area where our students will be able to experiment with technology uh, with design um, to to look into um, important topics such as climate change and energy consumption and so on and so forth uh, so there um, we have two domes uh, and in these domes, we in one dome, we are simulating the climate in Switzerland in 2085 to analyze the effects of global warming. Mm. Um, this is a collaboration with ETH Zurich. Um, and ETH Zurich has a spin-off. Um, that spin-off is called Yasai. Uh, so it's a bunch of guys uh, that um, came up with really innovative solutions uh, to to nurture plants in a sustainable way that is without um, using a lot of soil so they're hanging uh, in 3d shaped um, uh, containers or, or um, containers produced by 3d printing um, and, and and they use a special type of light to make sure they're nurture uh, nurtured correctly and they grow uh, and so uh, the guys from ESI came onto our campus. They did uh, a number of projects with our students. Our students then had the opportunity to design their own solution for our climate garden uh, and, and, and to put those up. So they're going to go into production soon. Now, how do we get to other partnerships? In the process of that, the guys from ESI told us they're working with um, a startup uh, that is called Saga Space Architects. So it's a bunch of guys from uh, Denmark um, who are working on the next lunar module so they're producing habitats for outer space these guys are using the hanging plant solutions so this is how we got in touch with mm -hmm. the space architects they're currently in greenland because they're testing one of the modules and so two days ago uh, they sent a brief to our students so our students are taking over the role of mission control and it's a little bit like in that uh, tom hanks movie about uh, apollo 13 because they're testing their habitat under real life circumstances, um, they have sent a task to our students. And so they give them a list of the amount of objects they have their cable binders, duct tape, and so on and so forth. And our students now have a challenge to produce a sustainable storage solution for that habitat. And so this is a great example of how one partnership leads to the next, how one inspires the others, and how once you start um, thinking about school in a different way, um, and approaching uh, these partners and convincing them that you're doing school in a different way, uh, then, then really the world is your oyster. Mm. Uh, but I think a lot of effort has to be done. When you ring somebody up and you say, I'm from a school, I'd like to collaborate. like, yeah, because they imagine an old school classroom scenario. Yeah. Uh, once they understand what your approach is and, and how you want to take things to the, to the next step, uh, they open up. They're super happy to collaborate because they, they understand that the type of skill set that we teach here at Rosenberg is exactly the type of skill set they apply in a um, daily basis in their jobs. And many of them say, oh man, I wish I could have gone to your school. I wish I would have started this earlier uh, because it would have, would have maybe allowed me to, 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 to be a step further in life today. Mm. 
do you when you talk about those connections there but it, does that does that require you know you as the as the headmaster sort of, sort of get on the phone and, and make the call because they'll talk to the headmaster you know, the head of the school whatever you might want to term it or, or can do you find staff actually make these connections or does it does it require that sort of top level impact just to get the door open the conversation going uh, it can help to have um, a top level contact uh, but we have our talent enrichment team is basically also in charge of our partnerships and so they would reach out directly Mm. Um, they're very passionate about what they're doing um, and so there's always uh, uh, many conversations going on we also have conversations with partners where we're saying well you know we have these values they align but right now we don't have a project mm. um, so 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 let's put it on the side and let's revisit it I think the key takeaway is this you do not always need to have a very formal relationship to, to get the ball rolling yeah and because our approach is very entrepreneurial and we we just want to go and do it and not talk about doing it for forever um, I think that's the best approach you reach out you find you have a lot in common um, you, you have uh, aligned goals and then you should just go and start a project and see what comes out of it because many of these things are experimental you do not know where the journey leads you Mm. Uh, so it's always an element of risk taking inside this as well but that was make it's what makes it so exciting because everything we do is brand new hasn't been tried before as long as your partners have the same approach uh, i think um, anything is possible yeah and how do you do that though or just to go back a step when, when they do have these connections with organizations that aren't you know in the, in the nearby vicinity or or maybe in pre-coronavirus times when it was possible to travel and go places is again is that how that worked the students would actually go and spend time off site and they would stay somewhere for a few nights and really engage i mean you know again can you talk a bit about that and how that works and how you find the time for them to be able to do that absolutely dan i think you know one of the biggest problem with education today that is that it has become so academicized for the lack of a better word and what i mean by that is that we took out all relevance to, to real life in an effort to, to be able to uh, put subjects into boxes and to be able to assess students um, to determine their worthiness, whether they should be studying this or that. And I think we need to bring that real life context back in. The way to achieve that from, from our point of view is to make sure that education is an experience again. Every time I leave my comfort zone, um, whether that may be uh, physical or not, uh, I have a new experience. Um, so going uh, to places, traveling there um, um, to see um, factories, to, to, to meet business leaders is, is an important part of, of our education. So in the pre-corona times, we would go to Napoli. We would um, you know, visit Keton, one of the world's uh, most famous and traditional tailors, and just understand how uh, with their artisanal craft, they're, they're, they're making a big business um, in our day and age, which is very, very interesting to see. Um, we went to Madrid to the Norman Foster Foundation, as you mentioned. Um, so we go all kind of places to see and experience that. Um, and, and, and I think that the current circumstances, um, we are trying to get more visitors onto campus, of course, following our, our safety protocols, um, or alternatively, like with the, with the space architects, uh, just to, to check in with them via the, the many tools that we have. Mm. And I think that is a great alternative. But uh, as, as soon as it's safe again, yes, we'll be on the road and we'll make our students get out there and, and, and just um, collect these experiences because we believe they're life-changing. Um, they're at a young age and the more experiences they can make today, 
um, that will influence their life, will also ensure they can make better choices when it comes to their, their choice of university, career and work and beyond. Mm. And just one very quick sort of clarify or sort of extra point on that. When you talk about these, these type trips away, I mean, how long are we talking? Is it a couple of nights? Is it a week? I mean, how do you factor that into a timetable again from a sort of practical point of view? Yeah, um, they're usually two to three days, but it could be multiple trips spread out over some time. Uh, so we, we always plan it like this. It is important, I, I agree with you, that of course, uh, uh, these are beautiful things, these are beautiful projects, but uh, our students uh, uh, have to spend enough time also working on the regular curriculum. It's all nice and good to, to, to work creatively and have these beautiful things, but the way the world works, we need excellent grades as well. So we need to make sure our students spend enough time in a classroom um, uh, having the opportunity to achieve excellent uh, academic results. So this is how we, we are balancing this. Um, but we have, uh, just to give you, give you an idea, we have in total, together with Talent Enrichments, over uh, 600 different courses uh, that we offer in the school. We run over 1,900 units, that is single classes, in a, in a timetable every single week. Uh, things have grown so massively that by now we're timetabling using artificial intelligence mm. simply because a human wouldn't be able to do it anymore. So we're using this type of technology because all of the shelf products don't cut it anymore uh, just to, to, to uh, achieve that degree of individualization. But this is, of course, helpful when we, for example, example plan a long weekend away uh, when we for example hotel management weekend we always leave on a Friday we're going to go to one of the best hotels in the world um, and our students do everything there from from uh, um, cleaning duties to working in a kitchen mm -hmm. to serving and really understanding how the, the industry works mm -hmm. and so for that we would leave on a Friday for example then come back on a Sunday night making sure um, all of the learning is either done in the free periods during the weekend or we can make sure we, we, we work ahead so they don't lag behind. Yeah. And on that point there, I mean, that's, that's a good, you sort of set up my next question, which was, I presume a big part of this, it must be great talking about obviously the importance of the academic time, obviously, in the in grade. Yes. But going and doing these things, whether that's like you say, working with the space organization to, to build a sort of product remotely, you know, you've only got these things or, or going to like say a hotel and seeing the reality of working in the kitchen, whatever it might be. Do you see, do you see teachers feedbacking and, and the same from the pupils that once they've done that, some of the things they might learn in a lesson that maybe feels a bit like, oh, why do we need to know this? Or, oh, this will never affect what I'm going to do in my life. It's like, well, actually, a lot of things you learn in that school impact your later life in ways you'll never quite know. But that's why you need to know it. And do you see that sort of dawning on them a little bit after they've been on these experiences? Yeah, absolutely. I think uh, you hit the nail on the head there. I, this is what we set out to do. I, I truly believe everyone... Um, can enjoy school. We, we see our students like to go to school. And I think one of the reasons why they like to go to school is because they understand why they're studying this or the other thing. If you give uh, young people a, an opportunity to, to develop a vision for their own future and to take ownership of that future, then um, they don't feel forced studying something. Um, they, they actually understand why it will be important to study this or the other. Uh, and, and that makes it makes very, very valuable. We also see as a consequence of the talent enrichment program that actually our, our overall academic achievement uh, have improved. So there's a definite co correlation there, which is fantastic, fantastic to see because it's really what experts have been saying for many years. 
um, our approach is always we, we get inspired and we say, well, let's go and try it out. Uh, but, but these points have definitely been proven in the small ecosystem that we have. Yeah. So uh, I think that uh, that is one of, one of the very rewarding things of this work. Mm. It's interesting. I was speaking, a teacher from Malaysia wrote something for us recently in, in the magazine, the international magazine, and saying something similar that they introduced a sort of more of a focus on the, the world outside, not just grades. But they said that it was a bit of a, not a challenge, but it was that they had to overcome the sort of the per- parental response to this because they're very driven yes. by grades and good grades is, is what it's about. And that'll get your head in life. And they had to sort of steer them into this mindset of, yes, we're not going to stop focusing on grades but we're going to start giving the pupils a real world experience, you know, because for example, it's great to have three A's or whatever it is, but if you can't do a job interview, if you don't understand, if you can't sort of present, if you can't, whatever, you're not, you're not as far ahead as other people. Have you had, did you have any similar sort of issues to overcome with parents? Or do you think the nature of the, the school and everything meant that the parents sort of really embraced that idea of, yeah, we want our children to be out in the real world a bit as well. And having these opportunities to engage with you know, big organizations or, or startup businesses or whatever that might be. Um, I would say uh, parents choose us uh, among other reasons because we have a talent enrichment program like that. Mm. Um, I think you said it perfectly well. In in the world we live in, and this may look different in, in, in two, three decades from now, uh, but in the world we live in today, I, I cannot call up uh, one of the leading universities in the world and say, you know, take Dan. He's a fabulous, smart kid. He's really creative. You should see him lead on projects or how he inspires students and how he has positively impacted our community. They will say, well, that's all nice and good. Uh, show me the grades. So we appreciate we, we need to achieve both. We need to have excellent grades because this is the measure um, of our time. Uh, but we we are we can see from our experience that it's absolutely okay to balance both. Mm. And the, the powerful thing is really this combination that you can have a student with outstanding grades that then interviews um, um, and it can relate back to, to experiences they've made themselves. They can relate back to examples and they would understand uh, if, if you go to a, a science class and you're doing a complex calculation, what that actually, what that actually reflects in real life. And that is so important. I also think, you know, it's a challenge um, for, for educators as well. Um, this takes a lot of effort. I think it takes a lot of uh, entrepreneurial spirit, ad hoc decision making to give you an idea. We, we write all our, uh, all our regular uh, academic curriculums ourselves. So um, you always have to, you have the opportunity to stay up to date with every course you teach. And at the same time, uh, the, the environment is just so dynamic. You can never just teach off a book. Uh, because that won't bring you very far. Mm. So striking that balance is is a challenge. Um, I think our our artists and teachers are doing an absolutely outstanding job. None of this of what we're discussing today would be possible without them. And I, I really appreciate their spirit um, and 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 their belief that this type of education, uh, first of all, is the future, but also makes a positive impact on on all of the students. Mm. Well, you've again, you've you've preempted my next question, which is going to be on on the teaching workforce generally and how they sort of find the time and, and the energy to do this. And um, I think you know, giving people the chance to do something they're they're interested in that they they have a you know passion for or whatever is is always a good thing. People rarely don't want to do something they, that they enjoy, and if you even within their even their job. But obviously, like you said, it still comes with time and commitment and effort. Yes. So I mean. I guess, uh, I guess overall, like, is there anything sort of ways you've had to sort of make that possible? Do you know, do you have to lose other things from the timetable or do you have to sort of like, give them, do they get dedicated time allocated where they can spend some time building these extra, these co-curricular modules they're going to deliver? And, um, how, you know, yeah, a little bit more about how that works, I suppose. 
Yeah, um, the, the way we approach it is that um, our teachers have uh, an average amount of lessons they teach uh, per week. And then the co-curricular would be an extra commitment, uh, also with, with extra compensation with regards to that. Now, um, you asked, you know, usually um, it would be a teacher that is passionate about a, about a subject. So, of course, a course like this, if it's well delivered, needs preparation time. Um, even if you're delivering it for a second time the year after, it needs, content needs to be updated. And so um, this is really a, a, a tremendous effort, especially if you want the quality and the learning experience to be good. Mm. Um, I think if, and I have yet to meet a teacher that, that would not be interested to be, to be part of this, uh, but uh, it, it asks for more than it might ask, uh, ask for in other schools. Uh, and at the same time, the, the, the artisans that we work with um, have a strong belief in it. They can see the effects, uh, they're liking it. And at the same time, it's not for everyone. So we also had fabulous teachers that we worked with in the past and we, we just saw um, that maybe the, 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 the environment, the dynamic uh, approach, the entrepreneurial approach is too fast paced for them. They're saying, wait a minute, I don't feel comfortable. You know, this is too fast. Mm -hmm. And that's okay, you know, there's no hard feelings. Uh, but we have um, we have pretty bold plans and we have bold ambitions, um, and and this is unfortunately what comes with it. If if you want to make a real difference, uh, at the beginning of making that difference is a lot of hard work. Mm. Uh, you said it yourself. What is the expectation of the parents? Um, if you develop programs with in a live school environment, um, and as school happens, uh, the margin for error is just zero, and that's why, of course, the pressure is high as well. Um, as every school, we're not in the business of selling refrigerators. Uh, <laughs> if, if you sell a refrigerator and it malfunctions, you apologize and you say, I'll send you a new one. Uh, you only ever have that one chance with a student. So you've got to get it right every single time. Um, we do, but uh, of course, it's a lot of hard work and it's a lot of pressure. Uh, consequently, though, the, the rewards are, or, or I would say the, the outcome is also so rewarding. Mm -hmm. Do you think, um, and this is a big question I, I appreciate, but do you think this is something where a lot of schools are going to have to look though, because, you know, we've seen through the pandemic and, and so forth, what that caused to like, you know, exams and so forth, that we can't just rely on exams. You just get, like we've, we've talked about, just getting good grades is great, but it doesn't, doesn't answer every sort of modern world requirement. If you do things like this, if you provide these extra opportunities, even if it's on a much smaller scale and it's much more briefly, it gives students something else to put on their CV, something else to talk about in an interview, something, some other yes. skill they can suddenly realize, I can do that, I can make a career out of that, that excites me. Do you think schools are going to have to get a little bit more flexible and give and, or ask and demand teachers to be a little bit more like, yeah, okay, what else can you bring to the table? Which is hard to suggest, isn't it? And teachers might think, bloody hell, we do enough. But, but maybe yes. that's what we have to accept, that that's what we might have to ask of them. You know, I think um, ultimately everything comes down to a mindset. And so you need to have the right mindset. And of course, you need to have um, a, a school structure or management that enables you to, to deliver on, on, on those goals. I think that uh, you, said it, you said it rightly. I think education is for too long focused just on exams. So the way we approach it at Rosenberg, for example, we stopped um, focusing um, courses on exams. So we're saying, you know, for example, you study economics. Okay, and then we will prepare you for the for the uh, A level exam in economics, or we might prepare you for the IB in economics or the or the AP exam. Uh, but let's first focus on actually studying the topic and understanding it, and 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 taking a deep dive there. Um, and I think this is the way education should go. We've we've 
come too far away from actually educating students. Uh, we traditional schools and traditional school systems um, uh, are just basically exam factories, and I think that's so worrisome considering if you calculate kindergarten and, and a few years at university into the package, uh, here is uh, almost 20 years of opportunity wasted, students coming, uh, coming out of uh, high school and uh, picking jobs or, or university programs, um, and they realize after two, three years, it's not for them. Mm. Uh, let, me, let me give you a good example. Uh, one of the popular courses that we have is, is coding. And um, some students go in, they take the coding course, uh, the coding core curricula. Um, they, they love it. They, you know, learn uh, new skills. Uh, and others come to us after a few months and says, that's the most boring thing I've ever done in my life. And I will never become a coder. Yeah. Uh, but, but I might become a, a game designer or I want to work in, um, in, in game development uh, from, from a marketing or business perspective and so on and so forth. Uh, and, and that is a valuable experience. We need to have that context because the world is changing. So if we teach um, adaptability, if we engage students early enough with, with things they could be possibly passionate about, but also finding out what they don't like at all, I think it is, it is worth the effort. Mm -hmm. I think schools will have to change. It will have to change rather rapidly. And that may be a final point on this. Um, knowing stuff is, is not a human niche. Uh, that can be taken over by computers, uh, by, by uh, artificial intelligence increasingly. Uh, uh, human skills are creativity or the fact that, by that we don't only mean, you know, make a beautiful oil painting, thinking creatively. So it's having creative thought of value linking things together, making connections, uh, being able to inspire other human beings. Those are, those are human bastions uh, that we need to focus on. And so that is really, really important. And I think you know, everything we do here at Rosenberg can be applied on a smaller level, maybe in other schools. We, we truly see ourselves as pioneers, not in an exclusive bubble, uh, but, but we, we're happy and willing to share that expertise. And I think uh, our partnership program is testimony to that as well, that we just think these ambitious aims of bringing about a true change for education cannot be achieved um, as individual organizations. There needs to be a bigger change for, for society as a whole. Yeah, I like that idea of, as you said, the pupils doing a course and realizing they really don't like it. And that's, that's also a good thing, isn't it? It's a good outcome because they've learned something about what they, what they do like and what they want to be driven by. And if that isn't it, they can start to define themselves to what they do like. And that's an important thing too. And you don't have the chance to find that out or well, how do you find it out so yeah it's, it's it's nice to hear that so that's the reality sometimes it's not everything's brilliant it's, it's like god that was the, the dullest thing i've ever done but but that's good yeah. too that's a good outcome um you touched on a good point then i think that might be a nice place to sort of to wrap up is for schools worldwide you know international or maybe just a, a state school you know in, in any country listening what is, are there sort of any good sort of ways you can get this going you know like is it just do you reach out to the local museum the local a local business and just say look we'd love to get our students involved what, you know, what, what are some sort of practical things they could do and take away from this and think right how do we make this work you know do you put a member of staff in charge say right you are the talent and enrichment director you know now and you're like oh but you know yeah. what, is that a good idea how could how could they take this forward what advice would you give you know, I would float the idea of such a program with all members of staff. And um, I think, by the way, that shouldn't be exclusively teachers. You know, you might have somebody in your administration or you might have somebody from, from an area uh, that would have never expected who is very passionate about, uh, about this idea of, of enriching education uh, through a talent and enrichment program such as ours. Um, and then I think you need to, to build a team based on that. 
part of the preparation work is to find out, well, you know, you don't have to go far. Uh, you said it really nicely. In every local community, and that could literally be anywhere in the world, um, there may be... Um, uh, an area of expertise. There may be uh, uh, some form of, of production. There are startup companies. There are um, established uh, artisans that you could go and visit. And I think reaching out um, uh, to them is, is a good starting point. And my, my real, um, my key takeaway from the experience and the journey that we've made is really uh, don't do too much strategic planning. You waste time on strategic planning, but you start with one uh, uh, co-curricular you start with one talent enrichment experience make that happen and then based on that ask the students how they enjoyed it and uh, uh, make sure to reflect and make sure you use this reflection uh, as a takeaway for your team as a feedback to see where, what students what else students may be interested in and and where you have to take things and we've learned a lot with regards to that we 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 always um, uh, put a lot of co-curricular courses out there uh, we see what students are interested in. Uh, we're also not afraid of adjusting them. Uh, if students come to us and say, wait a minute, uh, you know, yes, I was interested in fashion design, but all we do here is produce garment, yeah? Then we have to be flexible enough to, to sit down halfway through the course and say, well, you know, we understand. They want to be more involved in the design aspect. Mm. So how can we, we adjust the curriculum? Um, so, so keep flexible and just go and try with your first one and slowly you build that. And, and before long, there is a beautiful ecosystem that will then also allow you uh, what we are doing right now and, and tying this up with the academic courses. And that, that, I think, should be the holy grail of education today. Of, of bringing that real life context into the classroom and still have fantastic grades. Yeah, I think I think that's a great idea. Like I say, just just get started. Like there's, the plan planning is is the, the enemy of of getting stuff done, isn't it? So just yes. get on with it and do it and see what happens. Yeah, I think that's that's a great a great point. Excellent. Okay, well, so fascinating stuff, and it sounds, it sounds really exciting, and, and I'm sure we'll get a chance to hear more about it over the time. But you know, for this podcast now, thank you so much, and um, hope everyone has enjoyed listening. Thank you very much, Dan. Thank you.